0: Welcome to On Fighting in Thailand, the best news and analysis covering the economics and infrastructure of Muay Thai. I'm Matt Lucas, journalist, commentator, and ex-Muay Thai fighters. Make stronger fighters, make stronger people. Today we will be talking to Pete Peterson as part of our four-part series on scoring and refereeing. As always, if you'd like to reach me, you can follow me on Instagram, Matt Lucas Muay Thai, or email me at a.matt.lucas at gmail.com. I always respond to my messages. Thanks to all the people that have supported me so far, sharing the podcast, leaving reviews. If you'd like to leave a review that would be super helpful, you can do so on the iTunes store. Myself, JJ Ferraro, and Stefan Straumayer are releasing a new project called the Muay Thai Panel. It is a clear Patreon account, a monthly subscription-based program that goes over refereeing and scoring. We will also be doing fight reviews. So look forward to releasing that to the public uh, within the week. Which directly ties into our conversation today with pete peterson but as always first i'd like to thank patrick rivera for helping me get this show started and if you are interested in sponsoring the show or developing a business relationship and advertising on here let me know the show is growing and it is very very consistent so Pete is one of the long-term officials and referees in, the, referees in the states. He goes over a little bit of his background in kickboxing in the Midwest in the 90s before moving into refereeing and officiating. He's refed and officiated all over the world uh, at the IFMA Games several times and, of course, at his very large TBA tournaments in the Midwest every year. So we go over a lot of really great things. Definitely keep an eye out for our talk on scoring and a little bit of some of the movement and uh, triangle position. So without further ado, the interview with Pete Peterson. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Pete. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great, Matt. Thanks for having me on.
0: Awesome. Well, you have a wealth of experience refereeing. Um, obviously, you've been a big part of the TBAs, which is the largest tournament in the States. Um, you've also done a lot of judging and refereeing stuff with IFMA and overseas. But why and how did you get into refereeing in the first place?
1: Um, it was both a choice and almost just kind of by default it happened. Uh In the in the I started competing in the early '90s, and it was mostly kickboxing, and then it evolved to Muay Thai. But there wasn't much Muay Thai in the Midwest here at that time. Not competing, and you know the gyms that were were all TVA gyms. They wouldn't fight each other then. So I started fighting, and then a couple years later I started promoting. And you know, as a fighter, like today, you you fight and you want good officials. You want to have a fair fight. You want to have the right decision made. You don't want to get robbed um, or felt like you were you were, you were know wrongly done. And you experience that. You know, we experienced teams that if they were the hometown guy, they won because of that reason, whether you beat them based on scoring or not. We've all experienced that kind of thing at some point in our careers. But it, it really got to me. Um, I wanted better. And then around here in the Midwest, there was no – legit sanctioned body really holding shows um they were elsewhere you know west coast east mm-hmm. coast just not where we were at and i i started um, promoting and then I would throw people together to officiate like everybody else was doing and it just mm-hmm. wasn't good enough uh mm-hmm. I, I wanted better because like i like i like I profess today the officials are half of the fight and mm-hmm. the fighters deserve to have the best they can have you know, we mm-hmm. we are half the fight. So I'm very passionate about that being right. And so back then, we I, I started my own little sanctioning body. I I forgotten what I even called it now. It was just it was just didn't go anywhere. You know, <laughs> who was I yeah. to do that? <laughs> but but it allowed me to write out rules and write out things. And mm-hmm. based on what I had learned from competing, from from talking to other officials and promoters, and and from uh, you know studying Muay Thai, and I ended up. Uh, being asked referee a somebody else's show that was boxing and kickboxing. So I did, and this is in the mid, mid to late nineties mm-hmm. and I had fun. Um, I felt good and it went from there. And then when I started promoting more shows, I would, you know, place the officials, but I started officiating too, and then training them because it had to be better. And mm-hmm. honestly, I didn't know what was right or wrong. Mm-hmm. I knew what was fair. And I, mm-hmm. I, I, understood how to score, pretty much. Um, it wasn't like I learned later, obviously. You, you learn as you go. But we had to start somewhere here in the Midwest. And, and mm-hmm. I was the second person, besides the late time with Tule in Chicago, I was the only person in the Midwest promoting Muay Thai fights. Uh, mm-hmm. The rest were all kickboxing. So it, it was a slow process. Um, but as we got going here in Iowa, when I moved here, and uh, Pam and I started promoting shows here, and the tournament developed. Uh, we needed to have better officials. We mm. we did the best we could with you know having coaches come in, and that's how it started. When coaches weren't um, having a fighter in the ring, they were helping referee, mm. and we had to develop. Right there was no one doing courses here. Um, I didn't know who Tony Myers was or Fred Fitzgerald was, mm-hmm. and um, so we just went with what we had. And it developed, and it got better and better and better. And that's kind of how I got into it, Um, just the passion of wanting the officials to be the best they could be for the fighters.
0: That makes sense. And how do you feel sort of looking back at some of your early days refereeing and judging? Do you, you know, compared to now, do you feel like you've learned a lot? And specifically, what have you learned? How do you feel about it, you know, in retrospect? (laughs)
1: Um, I've learned a lot of a great deal. Actually. Um, I didn't know how much I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it was 16 when JJ went over to, uh, IFMA. <clears throat> and so in 17, I, you know, I was talking to Michael and I said, I'm the, I'm run the officials for the biggest tournament, in North America. Why am I just sitting here in the USA? Why am I not going there and get abroad and getting experience? Mm-hmm. He said, yeah, go. So he approved me to go. And it was an eye opener. Uh, I did, I did, you know, the course we took first there for IFMA on to be, to be honest, I was scoring, uh, (laughs) judging fights pretty much with what IFMA says to do, because Mm -hmm. in the States here, we all thought that, you know, a body kick or a knee scored way higher than a leg kick or a punch to the face. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what we were told. And that's what people assume when they watch fights in the stadiums on, on YouTube or something. And that wasn't the case. And I never scored that way. I always scored it equal. I didn't Mm -hmm. know why. I just felt like that. No, that's effective. That should score too. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's how it's always been. I just didn't know that till I went and had that training. So I was, I was pleased that I was not too far off in my Mm -hmm. thinking. Um, but it was still an eye opener and it really solidified things for me. And the criteria is simple. It's, It's gray, but it's black and white too. It's simple. Mm. You just got to pay attention. And so when I went there, uh, it was was great because it solidified things for me and it made things more clear. And it Mm. presented a better avenue for me to develop my officials for TVSA as well. Mm.
0: That makes a lot of sense. You know, getting that continued education, it basically filters down in a lot of ways. Do you feel – That, you know, obviously you have some experience with IFMA and, you know, the shows in uh, the States with TBAs, but do you feel that, you know, the world of stadium Muay Thai is different or the entertainment world? And, you know, have you done any scoring or refereeing with that?
1: So I have not really done any scoring or refereeing with entertainment or stadium Muay Thai. The only thing I've done is, I was fortunate to take the WMC certification course in Bangkok in 2019. Um, I took mm-hmm. that with, you know, Jens and, and, and Gunter and those guys. And that was right before the uh, uh, the uh, adult IFMA WC mm-hmm. in, in Bangkok there. And on the Friday night, it was a four day course. On the Friday night of our course, we all went to Limpini for the fights. Mm-hmm. And we sat in the, sta- in the stands opposite of the gamblers Mm -hmm. and we were, we were scoring the fights. We didn't, you know, it wasn't the official scores, but we used them scorecards and we scored based on what we've, we, how we score with IFMA and with WMC as we did the course. And we had, you know, there's nine fights on a Friday night. Uh, We scored six of them. Two of them uh, were stopped early by cuts. The other four uh, we scored all the way through. And I scored based on IFMA and WMC scoring. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got all all four fights correct, mm-hmm. so I was pleased with that. It, it it made me realize that I'm scoring it right. And um, my understanding is is that you know, gambling controls a lot of those outcomes in the stadiums, and I think it's being uh, you would know better than I would being there, Matt. But I think it's being uh, addressed now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I know that it's, it's – I think that that's – I think the gambling and the control the gambling has had on a stadium Muay Thai is what has confused a lot of Americans as far as how scoring is done. Mm-hmm. Because when you look at the written rules with IFMA for amateur, WMC, even WBC,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's – there's only a couple minor differences in the scoring. They all count each thing, each strike equal one for mm-hmm. one. It's yeah. based on effect, you know, a number, power effect. All those things are still really the same. Uh, and I don't, I'm not really familiar with entertainment Muay Thai and, and how you describe that. I've only understood that based on listening to you, you yeah. some of your stuff you've, you've talked about, you know.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I refer to entertainment Muay Thai as more like Max Muay Thai, which, you know, Max Muay Thai or super Champ. Uh, even one championship to some extent. Usually three man rounds. The scoring is a bit different, uh, and some of the rules are a little different. For instance, uh, there's there's no standing eight count in one championship. Um, right. And right. also, in uh, you know, in a lot of shows, people assume that you get knocked down uh, and it's an automatic ten eight round. That is definitely not the case. For shows like Max Muay Thai um, and oh, okay. other venues, mm-hmm. okay. um, you know, I think you brought up a very good point about the gambling being addressed. Um, you know, the gambling still has a hold on the sport, but it's definitely on the decline as uh, the sport is going more global, and obviously, okay. COVID yeah. has had like a tremendous impact on the who's going to the shows and how the shows are organized. Okay. Uh, so, you know, in some ways, the COVID-19 crisis has been sort of good in revitalizing the sport. Um, yeah. But going back a little bit, um, you know, you talked about the IFMA and WMC scoring, and I would agree with you that a lot of the scoring systems, you know, IFMA, WMC, WBC, you know, Uh, even one championship are very, very similar. But could you briefly give like what you would say is an overview or, uh, you know, a broad sweeping view of what those criteria are?
1: Yeah. um, As far as the scoring criteria? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that I don't uh, mess it up, I'm going to get my cheat sheet. (laughs) Because (laughs) I don't want to – Read it in the wrong order, and I should know it by heart. Basically, um, you know, you're looking. I don't know where it's at right now, so I. I, I oh no,
0: it's not a good cheat sheet <laughs> if it's not there for you
2: to cheat with.
1: <laughs> um, oh, here. No, I just I'll just tell you what it is. So yep, okay, you know you 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 you've got you've got, you got a uh, you did have a six line criteria for like for IFMA, for example, and mm. then. Um, during 2020, they had they had uh, had a committee, and they rewrote the rules and regulations completely. And mm-hmm. in the scoring, they added in one more line, which just made uh, the word defense come out more clear. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't written defense in the scoring criteria before that. And my understanding, and I could be incorrect, but my understanding was. When there's a draw around that an IFMA show, for example, in the tournament, uh, they don't fight a fourth round where in, in TBA we fight a fourth round.
2: Mm-hmm. And so
1: they um, don't fight that, and so they, they go back to the judges, and one thing the judges looked at was who had the better defense to decide mm-hmm. that winner, and because they had to decide right then. Well, in the, when they rewrote these, these uh, guidelines and the scoring criteria, defense was in there, I think, in line like, like line five or something. Um, it's it, uh, number one was number of landed strikes on unblocked target that mm-hmm. were thrown with clean, clear intent to score. You know, just throwing it out there pitter-patter isn't going to be counting as scoring, but when you throw it with intent, um, it, it's unblocked as scoring. And um, next is power of those strikes. So if you're equal in, in all of that, both red and blue corner, was one throwing them strikes harder. Was he landed here she landed them harder so more power if that's all equal you go to three which now it gets into your effect which can be uh summarized as aggression uh um less bruising more exhaustion mm-hmm. and that's where a lot of the gray comes in mm-hmm. it's not so gray with the number of strikes and the power mm-hmm. when you summarize all those things like effect and bruising and exhaustion Um, into one thing called effect, it can become gray. Mm -hmm. And I'll I'll come back to that. Um, And then, you you know, you've got, uh, uh, I believe, style or defense comes next. Again, I I should know it's top of my head, but it's always Mm -hmm. right in front of me when I'm giving courses and things. (laughs) (laughs) And when I'm judging, I know I also, at TBA, when I have all of our four rings of officials, you know, we we have like 30 some officials so our teams can rotate. And i put down a scoring criteria cheat sheet right in front of their table so they always know if they are stuck on man how do i decide that it's so close there's something that criteria they can get to that will give them a winner they got to create a winner i don't allow i don't allow uh 10 10 draws here in tba
2: mm-hmm.
1: unless there was a point deduction for uh the one that won the rounds now you give that point to the other five yeah go, so 10, it'd
0: be 10. like a 9-9 yeah.
1: round well 10-10 Oh, 10 I would points. plus it was the other fighter um, because it's a ten point must. I used to go nine nine and that was incorrect, which I learned at IFMA. Mm. Uh, but anyway, you've you got you've got um, you know style and uh, defense style and less infractions of the rules. So when you have into the gray area, when you have two fighters and one just looks like they're real solid Muay Thai, real traditional Muay Thai stance, they're throwing everything. You've got one that's more of a Dutch style fighter or a brawler, um, and that brawler is more effective. They're landing more, they're throwing more power. They might throw less weapons than the other from that's more technical, but they're throwing harder and more. And you'll have coaches go, this is a Muay Thai tournament. My fighter was looking, had better Muay Thai, they threw everything. It's a fight with Muay Thai rules. Mm-hmm. That's what you gotta look at. It's not there are all kinds of styles of Moy, right? Where's Moy mop Moy Cow, yeah, I mean, yeah. there's all these spiders have styles, right? You've expressed that in your book as well. Yeah. And and uh so there's a gray area there. You have to look at the actual number one criteria and follow that criteria down the line to make your decision. So that's kind of the mm-hmm. overview of it. And when you look at at uh you know, uh, IFMA, WMC, WBC, even they might word things different in their in their written rules, but the translation comes out the same. And really, the the main difference is that with amateur, you're not an automatic 10-8 like you mentioned with one championship or, or max. You're not a, you're not an automatic 10-8 on a standing eight or a knockdown. It's based on who won the round. But with professional, it's an automatic 10-8. And, yeah. and uh, well, well, for the written rules, anyway, it is. I under- yeah. understand what you're explaining that can be changed yeah. based on the, the stadium or the entertainment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I know like WBC rules does not make a knockdown and automatic 10-8 round. Uh, so uh, you're right. They don't. Right. So like, you know, if if we are fighting and say I am dominating the round um, and then you hit me. And I go down, but I get back up and I continue to dominate the round. It is not a 10-8 round. I believe it's like a 9-9 a nine, nine round um, or, you know, I need to go back. But it's basically – it doesn't yeah. destroy the round for that you. Round, right. Which right. I think is pretty important because, like, you know, if you – if as a fighter, you, you know, this happened to me in an amateur fight – like you get a ten-eight round for whatever reason, like that. There's the fight you lost. Yeah, you know? right. There's like really right. no no point of continuing to fight, or you just like have to go hell for broke, and it doesn't yeah. make for good fights. Um, right. You know, and in if it's you know an uh, eight count is uh, like it's the same as getting scored on like a body kick or something. Right.
1: We, yeah, with, with, uh, TBAs, our, 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 uh, we changed that a couple years in, I, 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 tried to start, you know, migrating more towards IFMA scoring to, to make our, our stuff more legit. And we added things in, to, we don't do it exactly the same as IFMA as far as all of the scoring protocols, but we follow that scoring criteria and all those lines. And I teach it that way. And, um, when we started doing it that way with the, with the eight counts uh, it was better. Mm -hmm. What, what, where it can go wrong, Matt is when a newer judge or referee um, takes it too literal, this precautionary count, because you have a compulsory count too, right? Mm -hmm. So like three counts in one round the fight is over. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so if you are having, um, you count. You're doing eight count, almost too precautionary.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now you've got three of those really quick. Fight's over.
0: Yeah. When mm-hmm. really
1: the fight didn't have to be over yet. The fighter was okay. Mm-hmm. So it's really the referees have to be on point and really know what, how to be able to see when that eight count needs to be called, mm-hmm. and and not wait too long either. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the same with the clinch. You know when you when some guys break the clinch too early. Mm-hmm. Or they let it go too long with no activity and they don't break it yet. Yeah. Um, those are some of the complaints you get. And I think that that needs to be really a, a focal point for for training. Yeah,
0: you hit on a couple of interesting points there. Obviously, you know, newer judges making bad decisions yeah. um, or just inexperienced <clears throat> decisions. Right. Um, can you tell me about a time when you were unsure about a decision that you made, or like you know, looking <clears> back at you're like uh, maybe that wasn't the best decision. What was it? How did you learn from it?
1: Um, yeah, I've I've there's been two times that I've lost sleep, uh, literally lost sleep the next few days because I was you know I'm passionate about it and I felt like man did I get that wrong. <laughs> I don't like I'm not wrong very often but I'm not perfect. Nobody is. We do the best job we can. And we're going to get some of these fights wrong sometimes because they are so close Mm -hmm. and it's hard to see sometimes, excuse me, but uh, you know, it's not an ego thing. It's me wanting to make sure that those fighters I I judged uh, got the best of me and they got a fair judgment, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, And there was a fight, the main fight that I still, still, Bugs me even though I've got confirmation on my my scoring was our tournament of champions a few years back we had uh, it was a final fight a class fight of the of the day and these are defendable titles for the TBASA so they were five round fights and they had no pads just elbow pads and yeah. so it was full rules one way tie except for no knees to the head we mm-hmm. still are not allowing that um, but the elbows ahead yes yeah. and so so five round fight. And it was Luke Lacy against Julian. Is it Nguyen or Wen? I forget how you say that name. Some are different. Oh
0: yeah, he was with, uh, Nguyen. Nguyen from uh, City of Tong in uh, Boston.
1: Yeah, right. he was. He was with at that time. He was with uh, Ibeer oh, uh, right, with Lynx, right? Uh, links, right? Yeah, and yeah. Um, you know, I was one of the judges. I, I wanted experience as I could for some of those A class fights, so I stepped in on that that fight. And looking back, I wish I hadn't because <laughs> so two of us uh, had Luke winning the fight, and one did not. Mm-hmm. And you know, Luke and, and I've I've known Luke since he was seven years old. So I've watched him fight. I've judged. I've refereed him. I've judged him. Mm-hmm. I've judged him losing um, and winning. And I, I, for me, it's it's as Ithma teaches. I see red corner, and blue corner. Mm-hmm. I make it a point to not be biased, about how much, because I know almost everybody around here that could be. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to end up officiating my friends. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, it's it's imperative that I stay neutral whenever the fight's going on. And I was. But what I saw based on amateur scoring was I saw Luke winning that fight. And so he wanted another judge. And it was a very technical, very good, very close battle. It was a great battle between both those guys. Very, very, very good Muay Thai on both sides. Um, and right away, you know, uh, their team came unglued. And there was a scene, and I was accused of, of favoritism for Dean because i have known Dean so long. Luke down the coach. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, sure. and, you know, that team – and I, I like all the teams. And we've patched things up since. But yeah. – um, but that team, you know, um, they were on a winning streak. They had already won four titles, all four and one. It was down to Julian. And and I didn't realize that at the time when I was judging. Mm-hmm. But um, I lost sleep, Matt. I, 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 I thought, man, did I get that wrong?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I had to go back and watch it. And I still felt like he won. I'm like, oh, I ended up sending it to uh, uh, Elias Delopsis. I ended up sending mm-hmm. it to him he was my first jury when I was training Ifma. I was in his mm-hmm. ring and, and he was a great mentor when I first had that experience. Um, and uh, he watched it, he scored it and he, he reaffirmed what I said. Mm-hmm. He had, I think I had four rounds maybe for, for Luke or something. And he had three, mm-hmm. but the way he explained it was what I was thinking. He said, mm-hmm. if it was a, if it was a, a amateur scoring if the scoring this is uh uh, luke won won the fight Mm -hmm. and and i felt better but even though i did that i got my confirmation that did not you know ease their concern (laughs) in their camp you know because you always feel like no we won that fight and it really comes down to go ahead
0: there's always a bit of confirmation bias, you know, Oh, we won that fight. You know, the guy next to you is saying the same thing. It's a little bit of an echo chamber. You obviously won, believe you won, even if maybe you didn't, you know, there's all sorts of factors going into it as well. Um, yeah. So, Uh, was there like a big difference between uh the two scores that went for Luke and the one score that went for Julian? Was it like a a wide gap? Was it like 49 48, then you know 48 49 and 49, like a 49
1: 46, 48 47? So it wasn't a big gap, no, yeah, yeah. So it was was like it was a split,
0: yeah, a one round gap basically, Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's you know, when you look at, you know, standard deviation of scores, like, you know, if there's three judges and there's only one, a one-point difference between them, I don't really nice. think that's that bad versus, like, you know, oh, there's three judges and, like, one's 50-47, another guy's, like, you know, 48-47, and a third guy is, like, you know, 47 50 or something crazy, like that. Deviation, Total is, yeah, is too yeah. big, you know.
1: You're watching different fights, then, yeah,
0: exactly. Um, but you know, you talked <clears throat> about you know that time where you were unsure of yourself, and obviously, you know, there's stuff to talk about in terms of you know having to deal with criticism. Uh, but let's focus a little bit about the basics of refereeing or you know some of the early mistakes that people made? Uh, Because one of the things you recently put on was this scoring seminar. Um, So you obviously are building officials. What are some of the things that you're seeing as um, early mistakes of referees and officials?
1: So for referees, if they're inexperienced, the first thing is just simple movement around and positioning. Mm -hmm. Um, They'll find themselves not... The uh, uh, behind the fight, not getting in that triangle position um, mm-hmm. quick enough and, and staying there, remaining there. And and they will tend to like basketball shuffle and look uneasy and nervous. The, their body mechanics will show the nerves and inexperience. And they just need to be walking and turn and walk. A normal gait, stand tall and be in that triangle. You know, there's a procedure. And, and that's one of the biggest things is. Um, the position and the movement. You mm-hmm. can see the nerves. They need to be in control and be firm. And uh, if they are not in that right triangle position, they can miss uh, a foul or not see something, or it can be an unsafe thing with one of the fighters and they miss that as well. Mm-hmm. It's imperative they have that triangle not get caught behind the two fighters. Yeah, that's and one of the first things. Yeah. Uh, just for people to
0: sort of understand the triangle. Uh, analogy if the two fighters are sort of the base of the triangle, uh, the referee needs to be the top point um, at all times. Uh, so he can he or she can see both fighters clearly and then they right. are, the referee also needs to rotate around the boxers as they're fighting so he's not he or she is not staying in that same uh, t- you know top point. They need to go to the bottom right. point as well. Correct?
1: Correct, yes. And then there's also what you look at a closed closed fighters versus open fighters. So like that's uh, something we don't we don't often talk about or think about is if red corner is conventional and blue corner is southpaw, mm-hmm. now you've got a, a right to a left, you know, lead. And if you're on the outside of that, you're on the where their both their leads are, mm-hmm. referees in on the closed side. If he goes to where their their back legs are together, mm-hmm. uh, same side. He's on the open side, and you can see more from the open side. All so right. you want to try to be in the open side if at all possible. Now, obviously, if you're both conventional, both southpaw, you're going to pick a side and you're going to you know change sides, or rotate around. Mm-hmm. But when you have those fighters who're opposite, you try to go to the to the to the uh, open side. But then mm-hmm. you have fighters that just change back and forth, and it. At that point you got to say okay I'm just going to pretend they're the same and I'm going to move around as I normally would mm-hmm. and 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 be aware yeah so besides
0: you that very important positioning hitting that triangle are there other <clears throat> basics of refereeing that you see a lot of people missing or need need help with
1: Yes I mean there, there's there's so much protocol for a referee it's, it's, you know, when you lay it a lot, it's simple, but it's not easy because there are a lot of pieces to it that you have to think about at all times. And that takes training and protocol training and drilling, 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 not just refereeing. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, besides the positioning of movement, uh, being commanding with your voice, knowing when to stop and break. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you break? You know, are you breaking correctly? You're breaking safely, not only for the fighters, but for yourself. Mm-hmm. And it, it's easy. You, we've all seen referees, even in Thailand, get a little too close mm-hmm. or not break step in a little too haphazardly and they get, they get just jacked and knocked, mm-hmm. and knocked down. And, um, so, so it's important you break safely. And then, you know, when you break them up for, to stop for a foul, how you're costing them. Um, when you send a fighter to the neutral corner and you're counting a, a, a down fighter or a standing eight count for a fighter, are you counting properly? Are y'all counting the same speed? Uh, the same manners, the same ways. Are you in a position where you can see the person in the corner? So they are standing properly and not getting aggressive still, you know, and not getting coached. There are so many things to do. And I feel like, and it's one reason why I've, I've developed these intensive camps, uh, the courses for the, the weekends is because I want all of the officials to be consistent in their movement their hand gestures, their commands, the way they do everything, even counting, you know. I, Matt, some of the complaints I've gotten in the earlier years over time because we've had referees from different sanction bodies or organizations where other teams come in um, to have that experience before we developed more uh, is, you know, they don't like that referee because he uh, breaks the clinch too soon. Mm-hmm, we like mm-hmm. that guy because he lets it go for a while, even though mm-hmm. there's not activity, they do have time. And we, we don't that guy is counting way too fast. That guy's like dragging the count out. the guy has time to rest too long. He mm-hmm. recuperates too quick. So that's not good when you have all those inconsistencies. And I see that. And so it's important that they get that all the same as well. You're more professional as an organization if you're all consistent. That's what Ithma strives for too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Some of those definitely hit home. Uh, with me and my experience fighting specifically in California. You know, a lot of the referees are breaking the, you know, it's a Muay Thai fight, but they break the clinch right away. Or, you know, looking at some of the fights now, I'm like, what are they even doing? Like the referee verbally says something, but doesn't follow up with any body movement. Or, you know, so say, for instance, the two boxers are engaged in the clinch, he, they will like lightly touch them and be like break. And the fighters are supposed to listen, but you know, meanwhile, you're, you're in this heated exchange and all this stuff is going on and you need <clears throat> to be as a fighter, you need to be careful to yourself. Whereas, yeah. you know, in Thailand, the, the referees are very physical, you know, they, right. they, you know, if for a break, they push the fighters. You know, they basically push them down to like sort of reset the the break and pull physically pull them apart. Uh, that way, the fight can get back going. Whereas, you know, I don't I don't really know why, but it's a lot more of a tender touch in the West.
1: It seems like it. <laughs> it, it shouldn't be. Yeah, <clears throat> you're absolutely uh, right. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. Um,
0: So going uh, and talking a little bit about judging because that's something you've done before. And uh, something we talked about earlier is sort of the gray area of judging where you're looking more at, you know, the fact. Uh, So what are signs of effectiveness in scoring?
1: Um, Well, for example, uh, maybe the guy, the fighter does block your your leg kick with it. He checks it. But your power is such that it knocks him off balance. Mm -hmm. That's still scoring. Mm -hmm. Even though he had the proper technical block, if his balance was not intact, it still scored. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe he returns the kick, but he's off balance returning it. Mm -hmm. But it lands in your leg. He's not scoring because he was off balance. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. So
1: that's an area where we have to look at that and not just say, well, he landed it. Oh, he blocked it. Was their balance intact? Mm -hmm. Uh, That goes with the upper body as well. Um, you know, if I'm shelling up and it hits me in my arm here, I don't care how sturdy I am. That's scoring. It's not a block. That's like hitting my thigh.
2: Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. if I
1: block with my forearm, like my shin and I'm, I'm, I'm blocking hard and I'm sturdy, then it's not scoring. Mm -hmm. Um, so there are just little things that the judges have to be able to pick up and watch with the balance. And, and then, you know, effect, uh, you mentioned scoring going backwards and forwards. You mentioned that earlier. And, that is an area it's gray too or or difficult for some to, to process because you know in the old days we we used to say, well, going forward is being aggressive.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, aggression is really the one that's initiating the exchanges, not just walking forward. Mm-hmm. I spent half my career counterfighting and, and and going backwards, and I won most of my fights that way. I teeped a lot. Mm-hmm. And but I teeped effectively, not just throwing it, still going backwards. I stopped playing and teeped. Went back. Mm-hmm. and so you know judges have to be able to to see a fighter going backwards and are they going backwards and throwing while they're still going backwards or did they plant for a second to launch an effective powerful ballast mm-hmm. strike mm-hmm. it makes a difference yeah you look at um light-skinned fighters versus dark-skinned fighters mm-hmm. and when we look at number line three of the criteria it says less the fighter who has less bruising wins mm. the fight well a light-skinned fighter is going to show bruising way more than a dark skinned <laughs> fighter right yeah so that's kind of gray it's easier mm. to tell that and use that part of the criteria if they're both light-skinned fighters mm-hmm. and then some just bruise easy and some don't bruise easy too so while that bruising can show us some effect and some damage um it's not the the end all beat all to that line of the criteria and the same with the exhaustion. Mm. You know, we know if a fighter's exhausted, um, it's not showing sure good conditioning. They're usually technique is it's bad. They get off balance more, and they can't throw as much power, and they're exhausted. But I, we've all seen these fights, and I've, I've had to uh, um, judge fights and also review fights for mad coaches when they lost because their fighter was just right here. And he was just marching forward. It looked great. His conditioning was great. But the really exhausted guy was picking him apart. Mm-hmm. As sloppy as it might have been, he was rocking his head back and battering his body, and he was winning. He just because you have to go to line one and two before you go to line three mm-hmm. of the criteria, yeah. right? So he was winning still. He just wasn't very pretty doing it, mm. and and so it's it's really gets gray there with those kind of things. And you know, uh, in our I'll, I'll elaborate too in our for as far as how you process all that as a judge. One of the fights we reviewed in our, our most recent intensive last month, this past month, um, it was such that I started going by exchanges because mm-hmm. some of them weren't quite understanding how to score it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's all kinds of ways. Some will be under a table with their fingers counting. Some will do little meters.
2: Yeah. Some will mm-hmm. take
1: a, a pen and just kind of on the table, like like turn it one mm-hmm. way or the other mm-hmm. for the left left. So they got a physical way, plus mentally, visually putting it all together. And it helps. I've always just watched by exchanges and it's helped for me that mm-hmm, way. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to uh, elaborate on that this past course more. And it helped some of the guys better because they weren't quite understanding. They were getting lost. So much is happening in that round mm. that they were forgetting what was happening. And so we had the benefit, obviously, as you know, when we're reviewing later and teaching to rewind. You know, and play over, you want to play it over and and really analyze and dissect things where you don't live. But the more you do it in training, the more you're going to get it live without having to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so this one fight we did, uh, the the exchanges were going. I said, okay, the first change happened where, you know, either ref resets them or they reset naturally. That's an exchange. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And right. And so I said, okay, who won? Who won that exchange? Who's up right now? And they, they understood they got it right. They're seeing it. I went, okay, move on. Next exchange, uh, a reset to stop. Okay, now who's up? They got it right. So right now we have this and this. Next exchange, other guy was up. So in this that's an example. This fight, the first half of the round, um, they were both really even on your lines one and two of the scoring. Mm-hmm. No one was really up in numbers of strikes. Landed and stuff in power. They're pretty good. But one of them, I forget. I'll say red. Red corner had um, a couple really good off balances in the clinch to land his knee, mm-hmm. and so he had defense in there,
2: mm-hmm. right?
1: And 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 that that aggression right there as well. That style, all of those lower line criteria kind of fell into that turn. And so if you were, if you were stuck on that first half of that round, well, red won it because he had better defense, mm-hmm. and they were even otherwise. Mm-hmm. So defense number five, line five of the criteria, right? Mm-hmm. The second half of that round, uh, blue corner really started to excel and pick up as red kind of fatigued a little bit. And blue scored significantly more strikes, landed clean, than red did. Mm-hmm. So on line one of the criteria, blue won that second half, of that round. So now you go, okay, we got a split round half and half. Who won? Mm-hmm. When well, you go to the first line of the criteria.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Blue won the last half of the first line. Red won the set first half on the fifth line.
2: Mm-hmm. Blue's the
1: winner, mm-hmm. right? Defense didn't overshadow that, the scoring of the second half. So that's how I tried to break it down so they had a better understanding of what to look for. Mm-hmm. And it seemed to help when they started getting the right guy winning mm-hmm. after that each time. Yeah. So that's how I kind of did that. But there's a lot of gray, Matt, with – With judges, you've got to be able to look at the whole criteria, even though you are trying to score it and place priority in order from top to bottom, Mm -hmm. you still got to look at the overall, overall criteria.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, judging based on exchanges is probably the simplest way to, I think so. You know, it, it makes the fight very, very clear in a lot of ways because a lot of the, you know, the other criterias like defense, uh, you know, balance, uh, other factors like exhaustion um, are harder to recognize sometimes, or to put a significant point value on. Um, and right. I, I at least feel they come in as more of a tertiary angle. You know, okay, you know, you and. It, it becomes more involved as you score more and you're, you're more aware of like the exchange value, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, because, okay, I hit you and you, you show signs of exhaustion that hit is no longer just like an effective hit. It's a highly effective hit. So it becomes more of a higher, like I won the exchange by more, um, and right. So instead right. of just saying, oh, he won the exchange you're also giving a little bit of a level or, um, you know, added value to it. Um, I know exactly. Elias does the counting, uh, on his hands. Uh, he's been taught that by, uh, WMC coaches. Uh, sometimes I will do the dial, which you said, or I, I often think about it as a horse race, uh, between yeah. two, two athletes. Okay. Uh, Pete in the blue is leading. Okay, Matt is coming up in the red. Red is now they're even. Red is edging ahead. Blue had two big exchanges. Okay, now he is winning. Okay, now blah, blah, blah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah so
2: exactly.
1: go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say just uh, real quick. Also, why I personally like exchanges, way to do that is because like, It's easy to – when you do exchanges, the one exchange, red may have won it okay, clear, but not dominantly. Mm -hmm. The next exchange, like you mentioned, uh, they really scored it. Um, Mm -hmm. The next exchange, blue might win it more than what red did the first exchange. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? And it's easier to keep track in exchanges of who's doing a little bit more than overall for me. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I'm able to say, well, blue – They each won two exchanges, but Blue won his exchanges in a far more dominant fashion Mm -hmm. than Red won his exchanges. So Blue's winning. It's Mm -hmm. yeah, I just I like that. Um, But you know, I, I tell I tell my 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 students that when you look at like we have our fights here in the states, there's novice B and A, and I think that the hardest fights to judge are C when they're really sloppy and brawling. And then A, when they're so mm-hmm. good, experience that they're going so fast and so there's just so much involved there, it's hard to see and keep track of it. Where B is kind of like, I'm not sloppy anymore. I'm not quite as fast as the A class guys. It's just you almost have more time to score. Mm-hmm. It feels like
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they just they're mm-hmm. almost in that middle range where yeah, I can score that. That's that's what I what, what I've seen anyway. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So
1: there's uh, just maybe
0: two more things that I want to touch on. Uh, you know, I know you're busy. So um, the first one is you. we talked about it briefly off of uh, the podcast, and you mentioned it before, but you recently did a referee and official seminar. Uh, can you just tell me a bit more about that?
1: Like the whys and that reason, that kind of yeah, stuff? the whys, yeah. you know,
0: all the details you know, sort of what was it yeah. like why did you do it? how did it
1: go? So as I was saying before, so well, so the last few years we've been trying at the the World Expo trying to get dedicated officials, meaning um, they had no fighters in the tournament or mm-hmm. they could be there the whole time. you know when you when you when you get to, uh, where you have to have coaches that are high level that can do it, that come in and officiate to judge or referee when they're in the downtime, their minds are still partially on their fighter.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And they're not fully committed and engaged in that officiating position. So it, it takes away. Mm. And it's, it's hard. When you have the largest tournament, you have to look at like 30-plus officials um, being there for four days straight uh, it, it's it's hard here to – you know, when you're going to IFMA, you're, you're committed to go overseas and actually do that. You're there for that time. Here it's just a little, a little different. And so that's one reason we wanted more dedicated officials. But also this past June tournament, you know, we had that year off from COVID in twenty 2020, in and it could have been the break – We're missing some of the higher level officials. We're missing some that we usually have from Canada, too, because they couldn't come down. So 2021, while it was our largest tournament numbers to date, over a 1,000 registered, uh, we're missing a lot of our key components with officiating, and it showed. And also, even some of the experienced ones, were there rusty? I don't know what happened, Mm -hmm. but... It was, for me personally, Matt, it was the worst year. Mm. Um, I didn't know this as I was doing it because I'm running around wearing different hats. Mm-hmm. And when I got back and we had some, some things happen there that that forced me to review some fights on my own, well, reviewing those fights uh, uh, caused me to review all 500-plus fights that we had. I had them all, mm-hmm. all the scorecards on my desk, Dropbox. I went through... Several hundred, a few hundred of those five hundred fights, because I saw experienced judges referee for the first time, or I thought was the first time, and they were horrible. Mm-hmm. I saw experienced referees making amateur mistakes, and it was ca- it was causing some early just early stoppages. It was causing some wrong decisions,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I I can't have that. I cannot yeah. have that at our tournament. I'm the one that I'm the one that has to deal with that. And mm-hmm. um, so, with that said, it made me feel that all of our and I'm not I'm not saying this against any other instructor, trainer, organization, or anything else. Personally, for TBSA, it made me feel that all of our online courses, all of our in-person courses we've done to date just don't work. Um, mm-hmm. We aren't doing enough. They can't be three hours or four hours. They just cannot be. Mm-hmm. Um, and you cannot shadow referee. So if you're going to train a referee, just reading the rules, the protocols, that's not good enough. They need time drilling those protocols and, and mm-hmm. be, building confidence in their 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 abilities. So mm-hmm. I said, I need to do a camp, a three-day camp and intensive and Patrick Rivera gave me the name intensive because it it makes sense. We're getting really intense with this stuff over those three days. and It's long hours. It's Mm -hmm. like 25 hours in in two and a half to three days. Mm -hmm. So we watch a lot of fights and dissect them. We do a lot of referee drilling and we analyze everything A to Z from both a judge and a referee. And I want them all to know both positions. For example, we mentioned, um, you know, if a referee gets hurt and they can't mm-hmm. finish that doubt or that event, you got to pull from the other ones you have there. And if you're doing a show and you only have three judges, a referee and a timekeeper, which judge can fill in? Maybe the referee can still judge, but he can't physically walk around the ring to be safe mm-hmm. for the fighters. Mm-hmm. He's going to trade, trade jobs. So I want everyone to know both positions. Mm-hmm. And if you're a judge and you know, refereeing, you can then see better. Ah, oh, that wasn't a foul. He shouldn't have cautioned them. Or mm-hmm. he missed that illegal illegal sweep,
2: or mm-hmm. whatever.
1: And as a referee, you can also see uh, um, more of the scoring things and understand what's going on in that fight. Um, and and understanding the eight counts, you know, when is a good time to, to to call that eight, standing eight count. As a judge, you're thinking, damn it, he called it too soon. But now mm-hmm. I gotta score that accordingly. You know, um, so they're both important, right? So Mm -hmm. I wanted this because I wanted better for our tournaments, our organization. And it wasn't um, critiquing others. I just, I got to look out for ours. So I did it. And it worked out really well. We cut down our splits, Matt, at our October tournament Mm -hmm. uh, by 51% from June to October. Granted, it's a smaller tournament. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. But it was a great, great result. I was able to watch, and all of some of the ones that were their first time in our my intensive in September. Mm-hmm. I had them referee a few fights at the intense at the the tournament champions, and I watched them, and they did great. Mm-hmm. Uh, nerves, but they they built confidence. I was right there with them. I made some adjustments in a rest period. They made the adjustments, and it was great. I was very mm-hmm. very pleased. So it showed me that that in person intensive uh, works. Mm. so that, that's the reason why what we're doing awesome um and the last thing
0: is you know something that i always like to ask people is uh what are do you feel like being a referee or judge has career options in the states and if so what are they
1: um you know it's hard in the states uh, mm-hmm. you look you look at like the guys like you've interviewed uh, that do one championship—that's a career for them. They're they're pretty busy right now, right? And I'm sure they're yeah. making decent decent income with that. You know, it's the highest profile uh, refereeing right now there is, I think, and um, internationally and in the states. There's so many factions, so many sanction bodies, so many uh, redneck shows in every city, you know, and so many. Athletic commissions that don't all see the same thing the same way. So, for a person to have a career here, actual career, it's almost if you develop enough where you're the one running courses or teaching or, you know, doing training seminars, whatever, that could be a career in it. Uh, but I think that mm-hmm. it's more of a hobby thing to keep you in the game. You know, for some of us that can't mm-hmm. co- compete anymore it's a great way to still be there right in the action and contribute to Muay Thai sport. Uh, but Mm -hmm. like for us, the big tournament is good for them, but it's, it's once a year, it's not a career. I think it's hard to have a career here in officiating. It's just something you, you do when it comes up that keeps you involved in the sport and allows you to contribute back to that sport. Um, but you got to time in, like we say, so that you are, are giving the best job you can for those fighters. Yeah. But career wise, that's that's a that's a tough one, man. It's it's few yeah. and far between, I think.
0: Well, um, hopefully that there are more career options. You know, oh. the sport is definitely growing. You know, pe- there are the full time people or like you know well paid people on one championship. You know, people yeah. like JJ are definitely making it a very active part time job. Um, so hopefully it grows. Uh, wrapping things up. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about that we didn't get a chance to talk about?
1: Um, not really. You covered quite a bit. Actually, it was pretty, pretty cool. Uh, the one thing that just still stands out to me is, you know, the, the organizations in the states here going out of their way to put on courses are myself with TBSA and Stefan and JJ with USMF. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that with us and them and myself, we're not getting enough people taking them and being serious with Mm it. I think that it would really solidify a lot of things if more coaches, if every gym, imagine this, Matt, if every gym that comes to a TBSA June tournament, which is over 250 gyms, if every gym sent, one student, just one, to a course um, at some point in that year, mm-hmm. they would all be better prepared in those tournaments to compete and win mm-hmm. because they would all have that liaison. Mm-hmm. You know, we go to IFMA, whether it's me or JJ or whoever is the referee, we'll go back and meet with the team when they have their meetings at night and say, here's what we're seeing, here's what we were told. You know, you guys got to look at this. Mm-hmm. And it really helps that team prepare. But I think too mm-hmm. many coaches feel like they already know. So what's the point? You know, they've been doing it for years, but mm. we all know that we don't all yeah. know the criteria. So I just feel like I wish more would get involved and and get involved with the officiating side of things so they are better prepared and don't it would just save a lot of heartache and, and, and other arguments after a fight if they knew the rules, because mm-hmm. the majority of the time, Matt, the majority of the time I've reviewed fights, I've viewed a lot of fights for disgruntled coaches. Mm-hmm. And I would say 85 to 90% of the time, uh, the score was correct. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. uh, they were, they were not correct. Their fighter should have done more to, to convince a judge that he or she should have won. And there's been times where that judge, that coach has said something happened in that fight. Referee did a bad job. And I watch it, and I don't know if they were in their mind somewhere else creating something, but it never even happened at all mm-hmm. the way they said it. You know, and it's just interesting. We, we Whenever I teach – I'm sorry to make that a long answer to your question. I apologize. <laughs> whenever whenever I, whenever, I can get long-winded, I, I'm really passionate about, about this part of the sport. Yeah. But whenever I, I do uh, my courses, one of the first things I talk about is all the multiple viewpoints mm-hmm. because when you look at a fight – you have the referee viewpoint, the judges' viewpoint, mm-hmm. the coach's viewpoint, the fighter viewpoint, the spectator's viewpoint, mm-hmm. and you have the video. Mm-hmm. Video tells the truth, mm-hmm. but from one angle.
2: Yeah. But there's
1: so many view. <laughs> right. There's so many viewpoints that happen that can uh, interfere or even infect mm-hmm. the fight, and we have to be able to know which ones to pay attention to. The referee and the judges. That's it. That's yeah. it. And you know. That's just, that's how I feel.
0: Awesome. Well, uh, just to conclude things, is there somewhere that people can follow along with you and, or do you have any upcoming uh, referee seminars or criteria or, you know, uh, things that people can join on in on?
1: I do actually. Um, April 1st through 3rd is our next uh, TBASA officials intensive weekend. Mm-hmm. So we already have one coming up again because yeah. of the interest. That's okay. going to be right here in, in, in Des Moines, Iowa again. Um, otherwise, they can go to uh, Muay Thai Tournaments.com mm-hmm. and our information is always on there. Uh, TBA Sanctioned.org is the parent website, but Muay Thai, it's very busy. Muay Tournaments.com is a little more streamlined, mm-hmm. but it's also the tournament, the June Expo coming up. Uh, we're already ahead in numbers compared to 21 and 19. So we're looking at another record year. Canada's coming back in now. Mm-hmm. We could we could meet 1,200 in June, uh, which would be another record-breaking year. And people sign up now because they're, it's already well over 300. Awesome. Uh, and we're still four months out. So, yeah, that's that's kind of it. Awesome. I well, appreciate you bringing me on, Matt.
0: Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for your time, P, and what you've done for the sport. Um, definitely a pleasure talking to you.
1: I appreciate it. Thanks, man. So that was a
0: great interview with Pete. Definitely appreciate all that he does for the sport. Uh, I thought there were a lot of really interesting points there. You know, a lot of the big sanctioning bodies like WMC, WBC, even IFMA have very similar scoring criteria. Uh, very much based on effective aggression, of effectiveness of the blows. Um, also breaking down the exchanges. You win enough exchanges, you win the fight. And that's a much more clear and easy way for people to understand how the fight is going and which way. Also some of getting into some of the nuances about breaking the athlete's. Uh, you know how physical the referees are in, out here in Thailand, uh, and again, just hitting on some of the movement and triangle position stuff. I thought it was a great talk with P, and I look forward to his seminar coming up in early April. It's April 1st to the 3rd. I don't think I will attend, but definitely keep your eye out for it. And just to close myself. Patrick uh, myself, JJ Ferraro, and Stefan Strommeyer are releasing the Muay Thai Panels, which is a monthly subscription based platform going over all things scoring and referee related. We will be doing fight reviews, also looking at positioning uh, for referees, how to score effectively. We're excited to launch this program, and we are dropping it next week, uh, probably by the time this podcast is out. And lastly, if you would like to uh, support the podcast and or advertise on here, definitely reach out to me. I'm looking for business relationships. This has been I'm Fighting in Thailand, the best news and analysis covering the economics and infrastructure of Muay Thai. I'm Matt Lucas, journalist, commentator, and ex-Muay Thai fighter. Make stronger fighters, make stronger people.